Hello, Nick fans. Welcome to episode 49 of the Worldwide Knicks podcast. Omar and Alex coming at you tonight. Uh, Rafa is unable to join us. He is again on the Kawhi plan. So, you know, it's a little load management for Rafa with the holidays right around the corner. Alex, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Omar. Yeah, happy times at the moment. So looking forward to it. Yeah, man, it's very seldom that we have nothing but good things to talk about, you know, on on the episode. Right before we started recording, Alex, you had mentioned how, like, Twitter gets really quiet when the Knicks are doing well. And that is definitely (laughs) the case. No one really has anything to say. Although I saw an interesting thread earlier today. I don't know if you saw this. um, uh, Ben Ritholtz from Knicks Film Mm -hmm. School. He had this, like, you might appreciate this as a, as a teacher, actually. Uh, he was talking about inertia and comparing it to Julius Randle. And oh I was, God. like, looking at it, I was like, oh, so this is kind of what we become reduced to when the team's actually winning. We have to kind of pull up scientific theories and, you know, make <laughs> make points that in that way. So, I, which I thought was hilarious. So, it was actually a really yeah. good thread by, by Ben. But uh, it, that did kind of amuse me a little bit, uh, the way he was kind of analyzing Julius's defensive effort or lack thereof yeah. at certain times. <laughs> it, it gets to the point, there's so much content out there that really people a little bit run out of things to talk about and have to come out with some crazy scientific theory of, you know, when it's actually just, uh, you know, guys playing basketball at the end of the day. You know? <laughs> right, sometimes, right. sometimes they miss shots, sometimes they make shots, and, uh, you know, it's, it's really not that uh, complicated at the end of the day. Absolutely. Uh, so... The Knicks are on fire. Hottest team in the league right now. They've won seven games in a row uh, this past week. Uh, won two road games uh, against Chicago at the United Center and uh, beat Indiana uh, the other night in uh, Indianapolis as well to take the streak to seven. So, and this really all started after that blowout loss to the Mavs uh, a couple Sundays ago. And the team has really seemed to kind of dial in. You know, there's been changes made, you know, Deuce McBride now fully a part of real rotation. They'll be topping out. Uh, Jericho Sims has gotten more run. So I guess what are you attributing this winning streak to? Like, what are you crediting uh, this winning streak to? Well, I mentioned to you guys the other day, and I, I, I do really believe this, that it, it feels like kind of tips his back into his kind of comfort zone a little bit. And he, you know, I think sometimes it just takes that kind of backs to the wall kind of move, whereas Tibbs goes into his his bag that mm-hmm. you know this is this is this is what he this is what he thrives on. Do you know, like the short rotation, the playing guys long minutes, but you know, getting the group together just feel like they're kind of you know you know up against it sort of thing. You know, he's as we've talked so many times. You know, they've got a, a roster that you know, doesn't have a star on it, you know, and I think that sometimes galvanizes the, the roster and that, you know, he can say to them, you know, like, you know, you've got you've got stars on the other side of the court there, but you, you guys are a team, you know, and mm. talked about the big 15 two years ago, but it's really like, you know, the big nine now, you know, and, uh, you know, it's just, I guess it's a, it's a way of bringing the whole roster together and just to kind of fight as one rather than, uh, you know, just always giving the ball up to, to the star and just letting them get on with it. You know, it's, I think that's I think that's what Tibbs, you know, Tibbs is great at, you know, and and mm-hmm. um, the problem with that though is that it has a has a fairly low ceiling that kind of basketball, and I think it gets to a point where, yeah, you can fight for playoffs and and you know play ins whatever, but 
can you get can you get any higher than that with that? And I think uh, after the success of two years ago, there was probably pressure from from all sides uh, on Tibbs to kind of expand the offense and bring in guys like Kemba and, and Fournier to try and kind of uh, bring in bring in a kind of more open style, um, mm-hmm. sacrificing defense a little bit and. You know, I, I just don't think that's his. That's not him. where it's, it's not, not him. You know? yeah. And you know, you you can almost you know, kind of feel the tipsness coming back in these last <laughs> few weeks. You know, he's just loving it. You know, and you, you see the, def- the the defensive stats are just off the charts at the moment. You know, and yeah, you know, he's he's proving that you know this this system can still work to a certain degree. You know, and. Whether that comes to playoff basketball and and if we get there and and you know it's as I say the ceiling's not high enough that that we can push on any further than that that's that's yet to be seen. So, I mean Tibbs in his best season with the Bulls, you know, obviously had a <clears throat> a prime Derek Rose, you know, and you know to to really push them on in that respect, which is what we don't have right now. So yeah, I'm I'm fully expecting it just to be similar uh, at best to. Kind of what we had two years ago. I'm not sure we've got a roster that can take as much further than that. Yeah, it ultimately depends on you know the ability of of Jalen Brunson to carry this team as its leader in the playoffs. I mean, that's the big difference. Like you had RJ two mm. years ago, you had Julius, you know, you had quickly yeah. and and all these guys. Obviously, those guys are all two years older now, but that's kind of what it comes down to in terms of playoff success. Um, when I look at this though, I, I really see a bunch of players that got hit in the mouth and it was kind of, uh, you know, what are you going to do now? You know, you let Dallas come into your building, embarrass you. And mm-hmm. one of the worst third quarter uh, showings I've ever seen. How are you going to react? Are you just going to throw in the towel and, you know, try to play for your next contract and whatever, or are you going to try and turn the thing around? And, you know, to the entire team's credit, coaching staff and players, they have turned it around. You know, they're now sitting at sixth in the East, seven in a row, like we mentioned. And we're seeing things like we're seeing why they valued Quentin Grimes so highly. You know, even when he's not contributing offensively, he's impacting the game defensively, making the right basketball decisions. For the most part, uh, he did not have a yeah. great fourth quarter moment yesterday against uh, against the Pacers when he got trapped uh, in, as they called it, no man's land after uh, yeah. a turnover. But ultimately he's been a positive for this team. Uh, you're seeing that, you know, Julius is playing better team basketball, passing out of double teams. You know, we're seeing all these players kind of really maximizing their effort. And I understand it comes at a lower, like a lower ceiling that you mentioned in the playoffs, but I think I mentioned this in our group chat earlier this week. It's like, you know, who are we to question a low ceiling? You know, mm-hmm. like, like obviously the main goal of any fan base is Bird's team to win a championship, of, of course. But, you know, we haven't been to, you know, experience playoff success in a very long time. So being able to get into the second round should be the goal. You know, that, that should be what this team is striving for. And, I don't know. I mean, I can't see if they continue playing like this, why you couldn't suggest that this team has a chance to get into, to win a playoff series and get to the second round, you know, with these players, you know, uh, again, Brunson has played great. He's been a excellent acquisition. 
We've seen great things from Julius Randle, uh, especially these past like seven, 10 games. Uh, RJ is coming around. The shot's starting to fall. We've seen great things from Mitchell Robinson on the defensive end and on the offensive glass. And, you know, honestly, the only one, only like negatives that I've seen is, you know, Hartenstein every now and then makes some goofy ass plays. Quickly mm-hmm. shot still isn't there. And obviously, yeah. Obi Toppin's out with injury. But other than that, you know, you're looking around and it's hard to see much of a fault in the way they're playing now. I guess the question then becomes like, how sustainable is this level of play? Because like you said, this is how they have to play to win. And so every, a lot of things have to go right. You can't just be like, Oh, Hey, Mr. Superstar, take the ball and and go to work. You know, we saw what happened at the end of one of the Chicago games when, when Julius thought he was that guy and tried to do that at the end of regulation. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you compare it to the Nets at the moment, you know, the Nets are also on a, a really good run at the moment, but they have that guy that when the chips are down, they can just, you know, well, two guys so that can, so can just throw the ball to and just mm-hmm. get them to go, get you know, bring them home or whatever. doesn't matter how badly they're playing up till now. You know, KD will just go, you know, he's so consistent, so reliable, you know, and, you know, you've got Kyrie there as backup, you know, who's been shooting game winners now as well. So, it's, it's, it's two totally completely different teams that are both being successful at the moment. It's really interesting that kind of the parallels between the two. But the, yeah, no, just go back on Grimes. I mean, you know, I, I can't say any, any, a bad word about him. You know, that I did, I did feel like the, you know, the mistake that he made last night, you know, was going to be a telling mistake, but I'm so glad it wasn't. Although I think it's going to be a great a great learning experience for him because I mean he doesn't really make many mistakes you know he's a very solid very high IQ player and it really surprised me actually um, I think he just had a complete kind of brain fart whatever you want to call it you know and you know because he 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 used to be a point guard didn't he back in high school days so yeah yeah you'd, you'd think you know it, you know he'd know what to do in that situation but. As I say, I think he just had a had a moment. So hopefully, when that comes round again, you know he will learn from that. He seems to be the sort of guy that just soaks it all in and, and you know learns from his mistakes and things. But yeah, he's been absolutely fantastic since he came back. I, I couldn't have hoped for much more. I was beginning to get really worried about his injury before he came back. He seemed to be just kind of coming back, but not quite right. His shot was off, and I was starting to get a wee bit concerned. But the last you know you know few games especially. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 my favorite kind of basketball player, guy that can do a bit of everything, fights, you know, brilliant attitude, unselfish, you know, doesn't need the ball to be a success, you know, he's just he's just a joy to watch, honestly. And to be honest, same with, same with Brunson, Brunson's hardly put a foot wrong since he came in. I was a wee bit worried when he came in, maybe next PTSD, that you know, it was like, oh, good things can't happen to us. This guy looks. This guy looks great, you know. Does he come as advertised, or was Looker kind of pulling the strings a wee bit, you know? And he was just playing off him a little bit. So, yeah, I, I was a wee bit worried at the start, but again, I couldn't have asked for any more from from Brunson. He's just, and he just seems like a great guy, a great locker room guy, great team player. Uh, all that selfish uh, ball hogging thing was just absolutely nonsense, you know. And you know, even when his shots not falling, he's getting the assists. You know, he, he's really. He's just such a smart player and, and him and Grimes are just such a great tandem. Um, and yeah, long may it continue. And 
yeah, and I love to see RJ coming around as well. It's 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 just it's everything's flowing at the moment. And just one thing I noticed was that you know in the the end of that game yesterday, I really think the streak helped us there. You know, that was a game that would surely have gone away from us uh, even earlier in the season. But the fact that you've won six in a row just gives you that extra little bit of belief to, because when we went down four, went down five, you know that's you know you could have just sat lay down and died but just having that confidence from the previous six games just you know kept kept pushing on even when Grimes made his mistake you know Brunson said last night you know he just said look it just kind of got, got everybody together and just said look don't worry about it you know keep calm still got this you know and that comes from confidence from winning games it's just a great learning experience for all the young guys winning games and it's complete you know that's why we don't tank you know you this is the best form of development for these guys like Grimes make a mistake learn from it but keep on winning you know and keep pushing for wins and uh, you can't you can't have better any better development than that and that's something that I feel like people need to give Thibodeau credit for is the thought process was always oh Obi makes a mistake pull him oh quickly makes a mistake pull him quickly's made a lot of mistakes on this winning streak he's still getting minutes Grimes has made mistakes. McBride has made mistakes. They're still getting their minutes. So he's rolling with these young guys and not kind of falling into that old stubborn tip stuff, which is, uh, oh, you're, you're, you, you missed a shot, whatever. All right, get out of here. Let me bring one of my trusted veterans in. And, you know, his, his, the most trusted veteran is now benched, you know, in, mm-hmm. in Derek Rose. But back to the Brunson thing, you know, it's, I think his experience in Dallas is what makes him such a good fit for this team playing off ball a lot because there are times when RJ or Julius are going to run the offense, you know, that happens a lot, you know? So, and him to be able to understand that I can still impact the game by, you know, this type of motion, getting open and a catch and shoot and our skills that he kind of honed with Luca in Dallas, because obviously Luca's incredibly ball dominant, most ball dominant player in the league. This year, next to Giannis, I believe is is number one. So, it's it's kind of one of those things where he learned that and he understands that that he could have value there. So he's done that. Additionally, defensively, like obviously he's he has the disadvantage of, of size, only like six feet six one, but mm-hmm. he plays passing lanes really well. Knows when to take a charge. Um, you know, doesn't always get the call, but you know he. Yeah. He's always in the right spot defensively, uh, and, you know, he just gets after it. And, you know, McBride gets after it as well. You know, we've seen that from him. And I really did want to focus a little bit on on Mitchell Robinson, though. What he is doing right now from both a rebounding and defensive perspective is just really impressive. And I know people are going to look at Julius dropping 30 multiple times during this winning streak. Brunson just dropped 30 last night against Indiana. And you might forget and overlook what Mitch is doing. You know, his defensive ability to kind of alter shots can't go unnoticed. Like a bunch of times Indiana players were trying to go to the rim and you see him kind of arc it up a little bit higher. And it ends up, that's a harder shot to make. And that's Mm. all because of him. You know, you're not getting yeah. that with with uh, any old center. And, you know, offensive rebounding can't go unnoticed. Uh, you know, we talked about wanting him to be a little bit better on the defensive glass. But when you look at what he's done offensive glass and what he's done on the rim protection side on defense, uh, it 
it all starts with him, I feel like. And, you know, we're seeing a lot more switching with Julius and Grimes and the team's playing great team defense, you know, and it's uh, that's what's winning them these games. You know, a lot of these teams, like, they're not scratching 100 points like Indiana did, but barely. And, you know, it's it's uh, it's encouraging to see. And like I've said before, it's this fan base loves a scrappy defensive team. It just fits the identity. It's, you know, certain teams in certain cities when they're when they're good and if they when they play a certain way and they're good that way, then it, it's just that much more more magical like the lakers are are always fun when they have like a razzle dazzle element that's just la that's the lakers you know that's just how that works i mean boston Mm -hmm. and much like us when they play hard-nosed defense and and things of that nature it's just better to watch the celtics it's just part of the city identity that goes with the franchise and for the knicks it's always been about tough defense in your face you know that kind of stuff and you know, guys like Mitch, guys like Deuce, you know, Grimes, mm-hmm. they embody that so much. Uh, and and it's rubbing off. It's rubbing off on Julie. It's rubbing off on RJ. It's rubbing off on everybody. But it is, it is different. You know, it's a lot different, for, obviously, from the 90s of what you can get away with. Oh, yeah, of course. Defensively. Mm-hmm. So, although that, yeah, it's all about the attitude, really. Um, mm-hmm. And you can see that coming through in spades, you know, that. That's that's where Tibbs came through as a coach, you know, and he, he's he's installed that into the into the roster. So, yeah, I, I mean, you're not going to get, you know, you, you see what you know Julius is getting ejected for these days. Do you know? <laughs> Whereas what you used to get ejected for is quite different. Right, right. <laughs> back in the back in the nineties. So, yeah, we can't we can't obviously com- uh, directly compare the two, but um, certainly from an attitude side of things, I see that that kind of New York spirit uh, throughout the team and. Yeah, you're quite right. Even the Julius thing, like he gets thrown out with those double texts, um, the the game against Sacramento. And, mm-hmm. you know, he gets asked about it, of course, after the fact and owned up to it. Was very mature about it. And that you're seeing that from this team. And I think it all starts with Brunson, honestly. It's, mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of the, the big splashy acquisition and he's allowed – Julius and RJ to still perform and get their shots and stuff like that without overshadowing it. And he has this maturity about him that you can see is rubbing off on everybody. Like you're seeing that there's just professionalism and it's great to see. Yeah. And and I was going to say earlier, actually about Brunson, you know, he's coming from a, obviously a winning situation in, in, in college. Um, and then he comes into Dallas and, you know, with a roster that's not great, but you know, then he's right next to Luca. You know, you're not going to say that Luca's not all about the winning. You know, you can see that, and that's rubbed off on him as well. And he's brought that, you know, uh, to the Knicks. And and you know, he's talked many times about him and his dad growing up about just installing that that kind of grit and, and fight in him. To as you said, you know, he's he's never he's, he's obviously not the, the the biggest guard, so. He's always going to have that chip in his shoulder, and you know his dad's just, you know, ground that into him from from an early age, and yeah, mm. he's just he's the absolute perfect player for for this New York team, I think. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, I just absolutely love watching him. Um, but I was going to say as well about Grimes and, and McBride. Um, when you see Grimes and McBride kind of having a great defensive play, and and you can see the the kind of smile on their face, you know, it's like. They they actually you know really get off in the fact that you know they just you know you know even just made a steal something that doesn't even show up in the stat sheet, 
you know, the, you know, they absolutely love that, you know, and, and they don't care that, you know, they're not getting big points and everything, you know, they're, they're contributing to a kind of winning situation. So uh, I, I just love that, you know, from a from basic level. And you can imagine that Tips loves it too. So this, the team is having fun, man. You could see it. Yeah. Like they're enjoying it. It's not like mm-hmm. classic thing. I, like, I think I said this to you guys the other day during the first um no, first or the second, second Bulls game, I think, when mm-hmm. it was more of a blowout. And, like, that's a team that looks uninspired, you know, and yeah. that they just, like, whatever, they're just trying to get through the season type thing. And, right. you know, this team seems to really be enjoying it. You know, you're seeing these guys, like, having a good time, helping each other out, um, the whole nine, and – that's another thing. Like we, that was missing last year after you know the thumbs down stuff with Julius and you know everything. The whole way the Kemba situation kind of uh, unfolded and you know the reaction to Alec Burks, Burks playing a bunch of point guard minutes. So whereas this year there, it's a lot more together and all that. Um, but I do want to get into the the Bulls for a second. Obviously played them twice this week, so got a. Mm. Nice look at Zach Levine, uh, who yeah. obviously is uh, a super max player. Just uh, extended this past off season with uh, with the Bulls, but you know, like like every other good player that we play against, whenever they play the Knicks, Knicks fans mm-hmm. are going to wonder, oh, how can we get this guy? You know, so yeah. there's a lot of people talk about getting Zach Levine, and yeah. I'm kind of like the don't trade for him guy on our pod. I feel like, you know, anytime anybody well, gets brought up, I say, hell yeah. no. Shout out to Rafa who, who told us to, to make it known uh, on recording that, you know, he's all about board the Levine train. You know, he would, he would give up everything <laughs> to Levine. Um, the so, entire roster. Give up a bunch yeah. of seats at MSG for him. Yeah. And Kuzma as well. Kuzma as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, Gotta get, um, get Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. He's <laughs> turn it around. No, just, just for, yeah, you can edit that out. No, he definitely isn't. Um, no, I don't think I don't, I don't think uh, I don't think any of us are, are, are really into this Levine thing. Um, it, it kind of has a little bit of parallels to Donovan Mitchell for me. That it's like you've always got to you, you've always got to see what the price is. But the problem with uh, Levine is that that contract is absolutely insane. Massive. Um, yeah. I mean, Levine. I think he's a very underrated player. He, he he's got a bit of a, obviously an image of a you know a dunker, but. His, I mean, you look through his, you know, his full stat sheet, and you know he's a he's a very very good player, very high end player, and he, he, I don't think he gets enough credit for that. But I mean, he's got a huge injury risk, uh, but that that contract would really debilitate you you as a roster um, for what else you can add to it. Um, and as Rafa says, always says, you know, does that does that really get you far enough? Does that get you up to contending stage? Well, in this situation, I, I totally agree with him in that. You know, if you get a, bring on a player like that, you're not going to be able to add much else, and it's it's a contract that you're going to be hard to move as well. So, yeah, I, I'd really, yeah, I really, really don't fancy that one at all. I mean, I, I think we can't turn our nose up at every single deal just because of this. There's got to be a, an element of risk involved uh, with taking on any player. Talked before about how like um, free agency doesn't really exist very much anymore unless mm-hmm. you. You, you, you go through uh, what we went through with Brunson, that kind of thing, but you know, you're going to have to give up a hell of a lot to get him, uh, just even to match salary. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see it as a, a as a really valid, val- um, as, as a kind of option. Um, 
yeah, I really like him as a player, but yeah, not in this team as well. And it's another ball handler, you know, that's going to just, I think, complicate the offence, um, you know, because you, you're really taking out, you're taking out Grimes probably, um, which I don't, you know, you know, I love Grimes, but, you know, you know, on a, on a, on a really, really good team, playoff team, you know, you can see him being a, a sixth man or something like that. That's absolutely fine. There's no shame in that, but, yeah, the the thing with Grimes is he doesn't need the ball. He's a complimentary player. He can he can do all the dirty work, and then you send bring in somebody like Levine, and that's turned on its head. Um, you don't have that guy that's kind of gluing it all together anymore. Um, so yeah, I think it'd be a massive risk, and I I can't see them making it. To be perfectly honest, I I don't know. Yeah, just way too expensive for what you get back. We just earlier in the pod talked about how this team is getting back to its defensive identity and how they try yeah. to, you know, expand the offensive range with Kemba and Fournier last year and, uh, and that backfired so much. You know, and it's the same type of obviously Zach is a much better player than Kemba last year and then Evan, obviously. They're, you know, don't misconstrue. But you know, if you're gonna bring this guy in, you know, it's just like you're sacrificing some on the perimeter defense and, you know, it becomes a, a question of course, of what is the package. And, and if you are a team that decides that you want to play defense on a pretty high level, well, you know, if, if then you should be going after guys who play defense at a relatively high level. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a defensive stopper. It doesn't have to be Kawhi, you know, but it has to be somebody who actually plays a little bit of defense. It's yeah. like, I, I, I mentioned the name a while ago with like somebody like Jalen Brown, if he ever became available, Mm. get somebody like him plays a little defense, you know, and, and that way, you know, you maintain this defensive identity that you cultivated because as long as Thibodeau is the coach, that's going to be the identity of this team. And we don't know if or when or whatever is going to happen. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's coaching himself up into more job security with every win, right? Well, on this win streak. So to me, that's the thing with Levine. It's just like, yeah, the contract's massive. You're going to have to trade a bunch of young players and draft picks to do it. They have the draft picks, of course. We know that. But you are going to have to get rid of some of these young players. And, you know, you look at somebody like Grimes, you know, I think I'm a little higher on his on his ceiling maybe than than you might be right now, Alex. I, like, I see this guy as a, a legitimate starting caliber player in the NBA for a long oh, time. Oh, I, d- I, I definitely do. But if, I mean, saying if we were trading for Levine. Oh, you mean like right I, now? Yeah, I got yeah, you, yeah. I got you. Okay. I, I love Grimes. I could, you know, you can go, you can go all the way if he wants. Um, he, but yeah, I, right now he's still learning. He's still, you know, still, still learning the ropes. So I, yeah, I could see him dropping down just now, but the other thing is, remember, Tips has already traded Levine <laughs> while, while, he was, <laughs> while he was GM as well. So uh, so it wasn't as if he was forced to trade him. So And he traded him for a more defensive player like uh, Jimmy Butler. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's the Tips identity again coming in. I, I just don't see the fit really at all, So especially at that price. So. Another thing that this reminds me of is, like, Nick fans, it seems like, are always focused on the one trade. Like, what's the one trade we're going to make that's going to turn us into a championship contender? And ultimately, that uh, that's not how it works. You know, it, it, you you have to. There's something called roster construction that's pretty important. Yep. You know, it, it's not like 
you know, there's only a select number of players, you know, Luca's one probably. LeBron in his yeah. prime was another that, yeah. you know, Giannis is another, you know, that these are guys who make you a championship contender by themselves. And, but those guys are very rare and are very hard to get, you know? So, <laughs> and it's just like this, it's a savior complex that this brand, uh, this fan base sometimes has, where it's like, oh, come over and save the Knicks. And it's like, if you really want to wonder why players haven't come here over the years, whether it be in free agency or trade demands, whatever the case may be, look no further than that. When you start saying, "Oh yeah, we're, uh, you know, we're gonna need a savior. We we got Carmelo. He's gonna save the Knicks." When you start saying shit like that, as opposed to contend for a title, be a part of a winning program, whatever the case, it's a much different thing. So if you're like a high level player, why am I doing that? This this franchise just wants me to save them all the time. Why wouldn't I just go to a Cleveland or whatever the case may be to just be, you know, a big part of them taking the next step? And I just wonder if that's like a problem with us as a fan base, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely. And it's just uh, all come from the fact of, you know, how passionate the fan base is, you know, the previous success in the 70s, you know, just the, the everybody wanting the next to get back there and have some sort of success. And it's just, you know, it's just desperation. You know, everybody just what is so desperate for the team to do well, so desperate for the team to win that, yeah, everybody wants, you know, success straight away. And it's just, it's completely unrealistic, you know, unless you're, say you're bringing in a Janice or, or, or a Luca, it's not going to happen. And what would you have to give up to get Giannis or Luca? Do you know it's just it's it's yeah it's mind boggling uh, as to what um, the, the the trade package would be if they ever decided to 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 go for it. You know and uh, it's yeah you've got to just you know build from within, build slowly and again trades as you said you know it's a bit of a, a kind of a thing these days where people think you just have to make a trade and then that's it. You know, you, you bring somebody in on a five-year deal and, you know, you're like, that's you stuck with them for five years. Well, no, I mean, you have to look at a team like Miami who who constantly reinvent themselves. They bring in guys that looking like they're towards the end of their careers. Just get as much as they can out of them and then, uh, you know, just trade them on and, and bring in somebody else, Do you know, and you know, it's just not having not having that fear of trading. Do you know it's trade? You know, trades can work. You just have to, as long as they're making your roster better and, and, and continuing to improve, then that's all that matters. And and I think we're getting, yeah, we're getting a bit obsessed with trying to win straight away, which very rarely ever happens. Um, but also, I think we're getting that obsessed with players that are, are, are you know young players and kids and things like that because we're constantly looking for this superstar that's coming out of the draft and uh, I might be wrong but I do, there's not one on this roster right now um, I don't know if people expect like Obi Toppin to suddenly be the guy that's going to push us towards the title it's not going to happen you know so you need to constantly you know looking for ways to improve the roster and and you know if that means trading young guys to get up and get a more um, you, you know, better veteran player than than so be it. You know, but the important thing is not to hamstring yourself with you know big contracts like a Levine uh, that's going to just set you back so far. But you're looking for players that are going to improve. Now they, they did try it with uh, Forney. I think Forney was a move like that 
which they thought we can bring him in, he's going to improve our shooting, he's going to improve our roster as a whole, to improve our offense, and it's at a price that's you know not too ridiculous, whereas we can trade him down the line. And you know, that's you know, it's not quite worked out that way. I don't think Phony has done um, anything that's not come as advertised. But yeah, it's it's gonna it's looking like it's proving difficult to move his deal now, um, which again is is going to be a, a you know possibly a problem. But I think it's just it's not having that fear. As I say sometimes it doesn't work out well. If it doesn't work out, you move on, just like it did mm-hmm. with Kemba and Phony. You just think right, okay, let's move on. Let's keep trying to improve. Do we have guys within the roster that can push us on a wee bit? Great. Okay, we'll go with that for a while, but doesn't mean that you don't pick up the phone when somebody comes calling and, and you know a trade trades in the works you know and I think as well people just jumping over all sorts of trade rumors like the Kuzma one and less of it Levine Levine's got a bit more weight to it. I think but the Kuzma one was just you know I mean these teams could just be kind of kicking the tires with deals and things you know can we find a deal that works well yeah let's look at it but you know, we're not gonna just you know tear the tear the roster apart for Kyle Kuzma. Do you know what I mean? So, if we can get him in at a price where he improves the roster, fair enough. I don't like him as a player. I personally wouldn't do it. But um, you know, if the, if the, if the front office sees him as a as a way to improve the the roster and Tibbs likes him, then then yeah, they've got to look at it. So, um, but you can't be scared of every deal because Luca and Giannis aren't coming anytime soon. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, we've got to we've got to make sure that we're looking at all options. So. Yeah, and it, it comes down to understanding that not all of your young players are going to turn into all stars. You know, yeah. you might like Emmanuel quickly, and you might like him because of how he's outperformed his draft spot in certain aspects. You know, you might mm-hmm. like Obi Toppin because of what he can do, but you have to be okay with the idea of getting rid of some of these guys to be able to make room for whatever that next player might, whoever that might, next player might be. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like, we fall in love with our young guys a little bit, you know, a little bit too much, you know, where, you know, you got people saying Deuce McBride is untouchable, you know, like, yeah. you know, like, no, he's not, he's you know, he's a, games, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, a, a he's a rotation player. guard in this league, you know, and, and, you know, Obi Toppin is not untouchable. But the thing, to me, the fine line becomes there's – it's one thing to trade, like, quickly and McBride and a bunch of picks for somebody. It's another thing to start gutting the roster and getting mm-hmm. rid of four or five players plus four or five picks. You know, that, and that's the type of stuff Yeah, we were talking about over the summer with Mitchell. And that's, to me – I think the, the notion is maybe that a lot of these Knicks players are undervalued. But now they're getting playing time, so maybe they're a little bit, you know, right to where they need to be. And that's always been my sticking point. I don't want to get rid of multiple young assets in addition to four or five picks. And like I understand you have to give up some players and picks to get the play to get the higher level all-star. I, I I get that. But like when you're talking about like, oh yeah, you know, we'll just trade um, you know, we'll we'll trade before we got Brunson, we'll trade Emmanuel quickly, we'll trade Barrett, we'll trade top end we'll trade like these guys is like like man you talk about two lottery picks and a guy that has played as a at a lower lottery pick level in addition to five unprotected picks i mean it's a lot you know and mm-hmm. it's it becomes a thing where you you have to build the team intelligently and you have to understand okay like who's 
I mean, who are the building blocks of this thing right here? You have to have a real conversation about Julius Randle. What's his future with this team? Yeah, obviously, you you signed Brunson for because for the time being, he is a building block. You think RJ's a building block, you just gave him a contract. Okay, if that's the case, who are you getting to compliment him? You know, and that's how you have to think. Whereas I feel like what a lot of people do is like, oh man, we're stuck in mediocrity or we're heading towards the lottery, whatever the case may be. And let's go ahead and throw whatever we can to get this guy. Please come and save us and start all over from the ground up. Like we saw, again, we saw Melo, one good playoff year, really. And then the rest of his time here, it was a struggle because, you know, they gutted the roster to get him. And that's the thing I think we want to avoid. Like we don't want to just uh, emaciate this entire roster. Like as much as I've criticized this player, but, you know, when you really think about it, for, based on all the things we said about acquiring a player, you know, like somebody like AD in theory makes a lot of sense. You know, mm-hmm. obviously he just went out again for like another month with injury, but <laughs> you know, but okay. it, conceptually, right. It's like the package could be enough to entice the Lakers to do it and it wouldn't kill the Knicks long-term. You could pair him with Julius in the front court and it, you know, it, it presumably could work and they played together before if i'm not mistaken in that one year in new orleans yep. you know yep. and you know and there's like a, there's a lot of you could talk yourself into it. oh he plays defense you know this whole thing and that's the type of thinking you need to have again not saying i'm in favor of an ad trade but you could understand the logic from that perspective when you're trying to say okay let's get zach levine like how the fuck is that gonna work and yeah. And that's and that's the thing that these people are doing. They're like, well, let's, let's just fire up the trade machine and see what we can get. How can we get Bradley yeah. Beal here? How can we get Zach Levine here? Oh, fuck it, Kyle Kuzma, whatever. I don't care. You know, yeah. I just want this team to win. And it's like that's not how you you sign Jalen Brunson as a stepping stone. You don't want to burn that step by just trading whatever to get another guy. It just doesn't make sense. You know, you have to build smartly. And that that's where I think a lot of people kind of, you know, they get enticed with a name and they just want the player on their team and then figure it out later. Well, I'm sorry, man. Yeah. Outside of Kevin Durant to the Warriors, that doesn't really work that way. You know? yep. so. No, definitely. No, and it's just the, that unrealistic thing as well of, uh, oh, yeah, we can get AD. You know, we just have to give up Rose, Phony and a couple of second round picks, you know, and it's just like, no, that's not the way, <laughs> that's not the way it works. So, yeah, everybody has to be a little bit realistic and, yeah, realize that you know we're gonna have to give up something to get something and but yeah there's no there's no point in trading for a player like Levine where he's getting paid like a number one option and he's not gonna be a number one option so especially with the contracts we've already got in the books so yeah it's it's a it's a crazy deal for me and even even you know AD yeah I love AD as a player but yeah but it does it doesn't and I was going to say, you know, he doesn't really fit the fit the kind of timeline of the team, but that's actually something that I don't really like as a as a as a comment, you know, because it, it makes no sense to me. It's this obsession again with having every player the same age, you know, and the best teams yeah. have always yeah. got a, all best teams have always got a good blend of, you know, youth and experience and you know ages and things like that. So, and I've never understood that quote, but I, I just nearly said it myself. So, yeah. The, um, <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, so I, yeah, I don't get it at all, really. Um, the the Levine thing, um, Kuzma, I just I don't want it because I just don't like him as a player. He he was somebody that 
people mocked as a player at, at the Lakers, mm-hmm. um, you know, as and you know, suddenly after you know, half a good season, um, you know, everybody's jumping all over him saying he's this, that, and the other. And it's like, well, no, he is he is still Kyle Kuzma at the end of the day. I I, I just don't rate him as a player <laughs> at all. So you know um, what's so yeah. funny, you think about like the players that the Lakers have traded and let go and stuff like that over the you know like past yeah. five seven years it's kind of uh like really interesting because they never popped as lakers but they did mm-hmm. elsewhere like brandon ingram julius randall lonzo ball kyle kuzma yeah. you know it's just yeah i always d'angelo russell was another one you know it's just like wow like imagine if they had actually developed these guys like you could be talking oh, about yeah. a very interesting playoff team you know <laughs> so, yeah, exactly no, we were talk- I mentioned Miami earlier, but a team that constantly reinvents himself. Well, Lakers are even more so. You know, they just think, well, there'll be another star coming along in a minute. You know, so why, why, you know, why, why no, stress about the risk? You know? The Lakers are the worst thing for Nick fans because we look at it like, hey, we're a big market too. You know, why yeah. can't we do that? <laughs> you know, it's like you're not the Lakers. You know, it's just like let's Lakers have championship pedigree. There's just there's a mystique about them, you know. I mean, in, in a certain way, how Boston has a mystique, but yep. it's just like I always feel like of like Fresh the old guard NBA. So you got the you got Boston, LA. They're in their own trash. But we're kind of right there with the Sixers, you know. We're just yep. kind of like kind of okay, you know. I guess we. Do, I mean, we apart from the the guys in the seventies, we don't have that many players that are kind of looking down on you, kind of that you have to live up to as a player coming here. It's the fans more than anything. Yeah. And just the pressure of playing in, in you know, the media in New York. But in, in LA you've got all the greats that are looking down and I know, mean look no got... further than playing center in New York versus playing center for the Lakers. In New York, yeah, yeah you got the specter of Willis Reed and Patrick Ewing. Cool. But in LA, it's literally almost any great center that's ever won championships in this league was a Laker. Shaq, yeah. Kareem, Wilt, you know, it's just like now, you know, obviously AD's a, a the, the latest big man in there like that's what Dwight Howard put a handle when he went to mm-hmm. when he went to LA you know so that's kind of the first time different kind, of, <laughs> different kind of pressure isn't it oh yeah absolutely yeah. You know, imagine trying to be a shooting guard in LA like living up to Kobe's uh standards and uh, you, you're a shooting guard here who you who stands you're living up to John Starks not the same thing you know yeah, point so guard, uh, point guard as well uh, magic, magic yeah so, I mean it's right throughout the team you know so yeah, no, I know. LeBron's Le, LeBron took, I think, took the Lakers on for a reason. You know that was all part mm-hmm. of kind of cementing his legacy. You know that you know it was one of the greats. You know he needed to be up in that, you know, up in that Lakers kind of pedestal. So he wanted to be known as a Lakers great. To you know to say so he could look back and say that I ticked that box. You know so. Mm-hmm. It's arg- argumentative as as to whether that's worked for him. But I know he's won the title there, but. He gets he gets little respect for that title. So Man, that that bubble championship is just never going to get any respect. It's just no. it's so crazy. His, his other seasons at the Lakers have been pretty poor, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I know he's had injuries and and all yeah, sorts. He's but... he's past his full you know prime. Obviously, LeBron could still drop close to thirty on the, any given night that he plays. But but yeah, obviously, it's not you know twenty sixteen LeBron anymore. You know and no. And that's you know that's gone, but you know obviously no no doubt no denying how he's an all time great you know and well, won a championship in L A. 
talking yeah. about what could have been. <laughs> Wonder what if uh, LeBron and the Knicks would have what would have done. But, um, yeah, I try not to not even fantasize <laughs> about that uh, anymore, yeah. man. It's uh, you when know, I was I was still still yeah right. I was still super mad about that. Um, the night that that happened. Um, yeah. but let's uh let's make some some game picks here. You know, last week we all three of us uh, kind of undershot what the Knicks actually did, so we all predicted two and one. They went three and zero. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so this week four games on the slate, uh, all home games, four game home stand for the mm-hmm. team. Uh, we got the Warriors tomorrow. That's not a got... good thing, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Not necessarily, <laughs> you know. Clyde was asking Brunson about it uh, last night. It was kind yeah, of funny. Yeah, yeah. How do you even answer that question? By the way, it's like it's like, I oh, know. you guys are great on the road, but you suck at, at MSG. <laughs> you know, like how do, how do you even answer that and don't get yourself in hot water? But yeah, know, he did, he Brunson uh, handled it pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, he handled it pretty well. But but yeah, so Golden State, Toronto, Chicago again, three times in like a week and a half. It's know, crazy. Uh, and uh, Philadelphia on Christmas Day. Um, so what do you think, Alex? Well, if we're going to beat the Warriors, then it's going to be now, <laughs> you know, with Steph out. So, and they're not exactly playing great either. I know uh, Jordan Poole dropped 40-something, I think, last night. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think as long as we contain Jordan Poole and we've got the players to do it, obviously with Grimes, I would expect to, to be all over him for a start. So, yeah, I'd, I'd really hope that we get a win out of that. Um, Chicago, I think I think we've got their number a wee bit now. You know, there's all sorts of crisis talk coming out of there. Raptors is always a horrible game. I, I, <laughs> I'm never confident of beating the Raptors, no matter how bad they're playing. I don't know what it is uh, about them, but uh, hopefully then the fact it's not in Toronto. I know it's at MSG. We've got a better record away, but the fact it's not in Toronto, which is a hard place to play. I'm going to go for a win there as well. So, um, And then they're going to spoil my Christmas on Christmas Day. So I think the run will come to an end on Christmas Day and we will have a 3-1 week. Okay. I am... Apprehensive about getting a win against Golden State. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I mean, anytime you're playing the Warriors, you're just kind of assuming the worst. I mean, it's gonna be a great test for their new defense, right? You know, they're mm-hmm. been much better on the perimeter. You know, it'll be a, a good test for them to see how good they actually are. You know, Poole can could drain it. Obviously, we know that. Um, so you know, that'd be a good t- I think they can pull out the the win there. <sighs> I know you said we have Chicago's number. I just find it hard to believe beating a team three times in like 10 days, you know, yeah. just being able to do so. Um, but ultimately, I think we're going to go two and two. I'm hoping for a win on Christmas Day, but, you know, that, that just has the the mixture of an Embiid masterclass waiting to happen, you know, it's, yep. you know, but um, I think we could uh, pick up wins against uh, Golden State and Toronto maybe drop one to Chicago, but because of uh, the familiarity thing, but I don't know the way they played the second game, maybe I'm off on that one, but I, I don't know. I, I could see, mm-hmm. could see just one of those three games uh, being dropped, but just a psychological edge, you know, as well. The fact that they've yeah, gone in and true. taken the two away and I know that they will be wanting to fight back against that, but you know, at the end, when it comes down to crunch time and you know, like I said, with the you know the winning streak just giving you that kind of mental kind of boost when the you know the chips are down, I think little things like that can help as well. 
whereas you you like well we know we can beat this team so let's just go and beat this team do you know and I think that's that, that's a, a big psychological edge so. yeah and you know obviously like the second game was so demoralizing for the Bulls and it makes you kind of wonder you know if they they come in with a negative outlook there uh, on that game you know especially like Alex Caruso got cooked multiple times you know and yeah. Uh, we were seeing just like the the hustle plays, like they weren't rebounding. Like I think they didn't have an offensive rebound until like midway through the fourth quarter. Which well, I actually had, yeah, I actually uh, had that stat. It was um, in the end, it was fifteen to two offensive rebounds, but I think the first one came in the fourth. The, yeah. the first one came in the fourth. So absolutely, yeah, insane. that's and that's you know, hopefully, I mean, we're hoping that that continues. You know, we'll see what happens, but it, I feel like that's a good test for them this week. You know, mm-hmm. four teams that, you know, at least three of them that have pretty strong playoff ambitions. You know, you don't know what's going on with Chicago right now. A lot of people talk about them blowing the whole thing up. Uh, but, you know, teams that are they're trying to win basketball games. None of these teams are really tanking. So, yeah, um, it should be. And, and you know, to, you're in, you need to sort out the, that home record as well, which. Yeah, of yeah, course. To, to Not to mention, Alex, your, you know, your finals prediction. You know your your champion prediction. To, you know on Christmas Day, so you gotta see what they're yeah. all about. <laughs> uh, no Maxi though, still. So that's that's encouraging. You know, so that probably helps us out a bit. I I think I had them for the East Finals, not the not the Finals Finals. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you I had, think the, Bucks I had, the, had the, the Bucks to beat them. Yeah. Right. 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 Now, I just remember they, when they were off to a bad start. You're like, oh man, I I look like a real idiot right now. <laughs> yeah. I had, I had the, yeah, the Sixers losing and Johnny Davis uh, back in the G League. <laughs> so my early season predictions were not good. Not good. He has not looked good. He has not looked good yet. Um, yeah, hopefully, he turns it around though. But that is going to cover us for another episode of the podcast. Uh, as always, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, check us out on that platform at Podcast. Uh, also, if you enjoy the podcast, please make sure to rate and review and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On behalf of Alex, Omar, and Rafa from the bench, <laughs> Worldwide Knicks, uh, catch you guys next week. Thank you.